Welcome to Points of Courage, where we talk to entrepreneurs who have put a lot of sweat, some tears, and who knows how many hours into starting their own businesses. I'm your host, Jessica Jackley. I took my own business risks about a decade ago when I started Kiva, a peer-to-peer micro-lending website that funds entrepreneurs around the world. Today, I teach and speak widely on entrepreneurship, and I also get to talk to incredible thinkers and innovators here on Points of Courage. I love having real conversations with entrepreneurs who have built their companies from the ground up with nothing but their own drive, passion, and courage. And I'm constantly learning new things as I hear each one's unique journey. You should get ready to learn a lot too. This podcast is brought to you by Hiscox Insurance, America's number one online small business insurer. You can learn more about Hiscox at hiscox.com. That's H-I-S-C-O-X.com. Hiscox, encourage courage. Today, I'm talking to Scott Kaufman. Scott founded his data collection and management company four years ago, not long after receiving a devastating diagnosis. But instead of turning away from his dreams, he fast-forwarded and dove right into them. I'm so thrilled to have him in the studio today to talk about it. Hey, Scott. Hi, Jessica. How are you doing? I'm good. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. I would love to dive right in. Can you tell us a little bit about what Peer Aspect does in layman's terms? So the original idea I had for the business was not very good. Okay. Um, Can you tell us why? uh, Yeah, because it didn't work and nobody (laughs) bought it. Okay, done. (laughs) A friend of mine who ran a consulting group that was pretty similar to what I was doing, when I told him what the idea for the company was, he laughed at me. He laughed? He laughed in my face. You know, that's not going to work. So I sort of appreciated that, um, surprisingly enough. But what was it? How different was it from what you're doing today? It's sort of a long story full of accidents, I guess, as these things typically tend to be. But I was finishing up my PhD at Columbia, where I was studying environmental engineering. And the work I was doing at Columbia and in consulting afterwards was very much this supply chain, environmental measurement, carbon footprinting kind of stuff. So companies would give us their measurement of a carbon footprint for, let's say, a bottle of soda. Got it. And they would have a number. And there's a model behind that, sort of a mathematical, right. really not very But it sounds like each company would come up with their own to do that and then hand you the results and say, are we right? Yes. yes. Got it. So what I came to realize was a team of six people in a world full of different industries and, and different companies and different specialties, they were never going to have the scale to efficiently provide that stamp of approval for all of the companies that, sure. that I thought were going to need that work. So the idea originally was an online platform for sort of a distributed team of, of independent experts who would then get assigned this work from different companies and they would verify it and it would be all done online on this platform. That um, sounds like a fantastic idea. Well, that's what everyone thought. So um, <laughs> you would have told me the same thing and I, th- I thank you for it, yeah. but nobody bought it. <laughs> I think it's so fascinating to hear about the times when entrepreneurs have to pivot and say, okay, I've put everything I have into this and it's not working, so I either have to shut the thing down or change strategy. So can you tell a little bit more about that moment? We were running out of money. And for some reason, another colleague of mine in the industry thought that this platform would be good or was meant for collecting supply chain environmental data. And he said, does your platform do this? And, (laughs) And I said, 
Yes. Good answer. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, yeah. It's, it might have been stretching the truth a little bit. but um, Well, you knew it could. You knew you could make that happen. Yeah. So we made it happen very quickly. We just sort of threw together with our developers a platform that sort of did it. And then this is interesting. Um, <laughs> it's all interesting. About, about, about nine months later, the guy who laughed in my face in the beginning, I ran into him at a conference. And he came sort of running up to me laughing and sort of said, while laughing, how's your business going? Like expecting to hear that it right. wasn't going well <laughs> because he didn't think it would. And I said, well, pretty well, actually. We're releasing this software platform today that does this data collection for supply chains. And he said, really? I, I happen to have a very big client who <laughs> needs exactly that right now. Um, and so I went to his hotel room at like 11 o'clock that night and I showed him the platform, and the next week we were pitching it to this big client of his, and that that sort of the rest is history. Wow. Yeah. Wow. I love that. I love this character yeah. in your story who has come full circle. <laughs> <laughs> and so how did you get into this? I, I had always wanted to start my own business, and I was sort of prodded by life circumstances to, to do that a little more quickly than I think I might have been ready for otherwise. Right. So tell us, if you would, what that was like, that moment when you decided to say, I'm not going to wait anymore. I'm going to do this. Yeah. So as you alluded to in the beginning, I was diagnosed with young onset Parkinson's disease. I guess it's about five years ago now. And that was a very difficult thing to deal with. And it sort of floored me at first. I was, I was shocked. I was really depressed. I was sort of dealing with it very much on my own as well. I didn't want to tell too many people. So I guess maybe I should talk a little bit about what Parkinson's does to you. That would be great. I'm sure some people are wondering. Yeah. Uh, it's a progressive disease, just constantly getting worse. It's a movement disorder. Uh, so anything having to do with movement, like moving your hands or arms and, and fine motor skills like typing or speaking is a kind of movement or walking, it slowly makes it harder to do that stuff. And the other piece of it is it's incurable. So any of the treatments that exist as of this moment are treating symptoms so that you can live your life normally. So after picking myself up off the mat, after the first few months of dealing with it, I very quickly came to realize that I still had a life to live. And one of the things that, like I said, that I'd always wanted to do was, was start my own company. And I was hit with the idea for it when I was, I was in London for a conference and I was shaving. I'll never forget the moment where the <laughs> idea for it. the business hit me. Okay. Uh, and came back to the States, started thinking about it, talking to my friends and family. And eventually I just sold all my stuff. I was single in New York City at the time. I packed a, th a rental car full of whatever I had left that would fit. Uh, I drove to Boston and just wow. started sleeping on floors for the, the first few months uh, wow. to just really go for it. Wow. Yeah. What was the internal dialogue like when you decided to take this news and say, I'm going to move forward anyway? Because I think everybody listening has had a moment or will have a moment where they feel like they have every reason in the world to stop. Yeah, that's a, a really good question. And you know, I'm thinking of my cousins right now. I have cousins who I'm really close to. And I was, I was talking to them, kind of whining to them in the beginning about how, how hard it was and how you know, I, I didn't want to deal with it. And they are very much present-oriented people. They're extremely good at living in the moment, maybe a little bit too good. Uh, hmm. That's another story. <laughs> um, so I, I took that very much to heart. And I still worried a lot, but, you know, I started training myself to just live while I could and be in the moment and, and do the things that I you know, still could do as long as I could do them. Yep. 
but when I think about it now, uh, you know, it's, it's been five years and it's been in most respects, the best five years of my life. Wow. So when I think back to all the time I wasted worrying what would happen, you know, I lost some of those five years because of that. And that, that's a mistake that I don't want to continue to make. Wow. Tell us a little bit about the beginning and how you kept that focus and kept that commitment despite the ups and downs that come with any beginning. Yeah. So it, it was almost always in the form of some kind of gift that I got from someone, hmm. uh, not like a present wrapped in a box, but um, something that people had to offer me because of what I was doing. And I, I want to point out that nobody really knew um, about my illness. Uh, hmm. I, I've kept that very much to myself and to a very close circle of people until now, actually. Wow. Um, so when you start something, you're putting yourself out there meeting people who are inspired by what you're doing, and they just want to help you. It's, it's unbelievable. Mm-hmm. It happens so many times. I think one of the first instances of that was a friend of mine had office space in Boston that was being unused by his company. It was a little too small for it. So he offered me office space, and he made us paint in order to, <laughs> to get the space. Um, but after we painted, we had that spot for over a year. I mean, there are too many things like that to count. You just meet people all the time who want to help you accomplish what you're trying to accomplish. Wow. Wow. So I think any entrepreneur inherently has a courageous spirit that gets them through the unexpected things, the challenges. Where does your source of courage come from? Is it, is it really possible to know that, do you think? Well, I don't know. I mean, I think some people say, hey, I... I've heard this piece of advice, and it's a touchstone for me. I come back to it all the time. Um, I don't know. Maybe what are the things that help remind you to keep pressing on? Yeah. So my friends are, without a doubt, that. I don't know if they're the entire thing, but if they're not, they're pretty close. Uh, I have a couple of friends who I have talked to so much about my business. I've whined to them and complained to them and told them I was quitting and... (laughs) that I couldn't do it and that I was horrible and and also told them how great I thought I was doing when, when that was happening and when there were triumphs, I, I would celebrate those with them. But w- without a doubt, my, my friends have just been the solid piece throughout my family as well, my mom especially, um, and now my wife is, is a huge part of it. That's huge. That's huge. I, I think it really speaks to the importance of nurturing those relationships with people closest to you who are going to go through all of the stuff yeah. <laughs> together by yeah. your side. So how has the Parkinson's diagnosis affected your work day to day? So I can tell you an example. Um, sure. I was flown to India to give a talk at a conference and speaking at events and conferences. And I used to teach classes. It's just something I was always good at, but I was really nervous. It was just pretty shortly after I was diagnosed and I wasn't being treated yet. So I went up there and I did a really bad job. I mean, I was extremely nervous and I was shaking and my voice was was going and, and was very shaky. What I was thinking was, I have to stop doing this. Like, I just cannot give talks at conferences anymore. I, see, um, I, see. I cannot do public speaking. And that would not have been wise if I had just gone down that road. Right. Uh, so I think I learned a lesson there. And if you fast forward a couple of years later, we were in the running for this Maryland State Venture Fund, and I made the pitch, and I made the deck, and Sujish, my partner, he worked on it with me, obviously, but we were doing it as if I was going to deliver it. 
you know, my wife told me when I would tell her, like, I don't know if I should do this. She would say, yes, you, you are going to do this. And if you're nervous about the Parkinson's thing, just tell them in the beginning. Which was something you had never done before, certainly not publicly or on a stage or something. No. Sure. So I was talking to Sajish over lunch about this, and I asked him if it was okay if I did that. And he was like, yeah, sure. I don't care. <laughs> you can you can do it. It doesn't bother me. Like, I, it's not, it doesn't make a difference to me, right. which has always been his message around it, which I'm pretty grateful for. The day came, and I was expecting there to be six or seven people in the room, maybe. And it turned out there were like 40. <laughs> um, <laughs> what did you think when you walked in and saw there were so many more faces than you had expected? I thought I, I, I think that I thought I might not be able to, <laughs> to say this because I was feeling pretty good. But I, I told them. I said, I have something to tell you. I told them what it was. I made a little joke. Everyone laughed. And I said, okay, can we move on now? And everyone went together, yes. Like They all sort of shouted out, yes. Sounds like one of the most amazing responses they could have yeah. had. And I, we nailed the pitch, and oh, we, nice. got the, we got the money. Nice. So, yeah. That's incredible. Yeah. That just speaks so much to who you are and who you've chosen to be in the wake of all of this, like putting it out there, continuing on anyway, and figuring out how to not make it the center of things for you, but know that it's a reality and manage it. I don't know if I would have started the business if I didn't get Parkinson's. And wow. it's, I mean, it's, it's a horrible thing. I'm, I'm not going to lie. Uh, it's, it's a pain to deal with, but I'm, I'm grateful for it in some really weird ways. And like I said, the, the last five years since I've gotten it have been the best of my life. It's incredibly inspiring. Thanks. <laughs> Is there something that you wish you'd known before you started? Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> I wish that there was a way for me to learn not to care what people think before I started, that I would have learned that. I still I still need to be taught how to do that. Can you, I don't know, maybe you can teach me. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, at UC, <laughs> I think you're doing a great job, first of all. Thanks. But it's, that's another thing that people don't tell you. Like, it's not just the negative feedback that you get about yourself or the negative things that you think people think about you. It's the positive things that people say, too. Like, Oh, go more you, into that. Yeah, you can't ask people if it's going to work, for example. Like, when that you start, is huge. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Okay, say that again. I'm sorry. I'm just, like, so excited about this. So you uh, can't— I, It's almost like when I started, I— I had a checklist of all the people that I had to ask. And I, like, it didn't work this way, but this seems like how it is in retrospect. Like I needed all these people to say, yes, I approve. Yes, I approve. Yes, I approve. And the idea didn't work. Like they all said, this is great. It's going to be a success. Can I invest? And it didn't work. Like they were all wrong. So, like, <laughs> And how about the pivot? Did you check with that list no, again? I was, by then I was like, oh my God, this is so obvious. Right. Like, um, <laughs> You're going to figure it out yourself. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I, you know, I, still need, I still need people's approval desperately often. And I guess probably most of us do, but it doesn't help really very much beyond the instant rush of adrenaline you get, I guess. It strikes me that I think most people have some phase before they begin where they're sort of asking the world for permission enough that they feel confident enough or ready to make this jump into the unknown. Yeah. But the reality is, as you're saying, it's just going to be an uncertain path. And you're going to have to figure it out as you go. And yeah. even if everybody's saying it'll work, it might not. And even if everybody's saying it won't work, it still might. That might be the biggest lesson I've learned from starting a business. I just totally get that now. It doesn't mean that I still don't need it. But like when I recognize that I'm needing it, I say to myself, oh, yeah, like mm. they have no idea what they're talking about. Mm. I think everyone sees risk 
differently and measures it maybe a little bit differently. And so can you tell me a little bit about how that's played a role in your business and the decisions that you've made? When you're running a business, people think of entrepreneurs and and startups as these big risk-taking machines. (laughs) And I haven't found that to be the case, really. I mean, obviously, you take a risk in starting something. But I've found that so much more of the time is doing like little mundane things, like answering the phone when somebody calls with a problem. And these are not inherently risky behaviors or, or things that you have to do or tasks. So I hardly spend any time thinking about risk until there's this moment where you, you have a key decision to make, like a pivot or a focus that you're going to take as a company or, or something like that. Every now and then there's this transitional moment, it seems like. And that's taking a risk. Like you're saying, we're going to become this, and we're staking our business on the fact that that's going to work. So the pivotal moment with that first client, my laughing colleague, is a good example of that. We had to make that decision. We had to take the risk to say that we could do this, that it was something that was in our power to accomplish. Absolutely. That risk of identity, that risk of declaring to the world, even if it's just a handful of people that hear you at first, (laughs) it's terrifying sometimes to put that out there, Yeah, especially if it's a big transition from what you've been doing in the past. Do you think of yourself as a leader? I, I very much want to. It's something I've always been drawn to thinking of myself as, so I, I guess so. <laughs> what does that look like for you as you try to manifest that? How do you put that into practice? So my way is to communicate. I think if I think of leadership that I contribute to my company or to the world or whatever it is I'm doing, it's that we don't leave things unsaid that are going to come back to haunt us later. So I, I guess an example is my, my partner, Sujish, and I, have an amazing relationship. We've, we've had ups and downs and a couple of really bad downs and some also really big ups. But after a bad down that we had, we came up with this idea to check in with each other. We started doing it every week and we would ask each other very pointed questions like, how do you feel about your relationship with me? That was a big one. Wow. Uh, what's very your, vulnerable. Yeah. Another one was, what's your end of the rope factor? <laughs> how close are you to quitting? Uh, how, how fulfilled are you feeling by by doing this job. We, we ask each other those questions. We're now, we now do it once a month because we've been a little bit too busy to, to it turns into like a two hour conversation. Yeah, I would imagine. Yeah, but we've also applied that to other people in the company. And it's funny to see how different people react to that kind of ask. It's not like, you know, can you build this this piece of functionality <laughs> sure. for me. It's like, can you bare your soul? Right. <laughs> but it's a great litmus test for understanding if a person will really be able to gel with the culture that you've created. Uh, yeah, I think so. For Sujish and I, I think uh, you have to ask him if this is true, but <laughs> it's made our relationship even better than it was. I'm in awe. That's an incredibly intense and really cool thing to do. Thanks. To make sure you're getting at that step. I think a lot of partnerships in business end up failing because they don't have that level of intense, transparent communication. So bravo. No one ever tells you that. Yeah. Uh, when you're starting a business with someone, like it is the most intense relationship. I mean, you're spending, you're spending probably 18 hours a day dealing with them and it's on weekends too. Right. And you it's have most to, of your waking hours in life. It's yeah. Yeah. Super yeah. intense. And if you can survive that, you've got a pretty good relationship, I think. I would agree. Yeah. I would agree. He sounds like an incredible partner. He is. And you have five-person team now? We're around 10, oh, okay. uh, roughly. Uh, okay. I don't really know where everyone is, so sure. I might be miscounting. <laughs> <laughs> what is it like to manage a team for you? 
it's my favorite part, I think. I think it's probably because of the, the interpersonal stuff that goes on. It comes naturally to me to worry about how people are feeling, whether they're, they're satisfied or not, whether they're fulfilled by what they're doing. That matters to me more than anything else. And I think my partner is much better than me in, in most respects. Uh, he's, he's an incredible manager of, of tasks and people and projects and anything that requires thinking. <laughs> he, he's just, he's amazing. But and when I wonder like what my place is sometimes, I sort of come back to this, you know, wanting to make sure that everybody's okay. I love the language you're using right now, making sure everybody's okay. I've spoken to people who I think are amazing managers, and they talk about their job being about nurturing, about caring for the teams that they have and taking the barriers away, making sure that they're freed to do their jobs. Yeah. So what's one of the best pieces of business advice you've ever received? So one thing about starting a business is you can be absolutely sure that everybody in the world is going to give you advice. <laughs> it's like uh, being pregnant. <laughs> I, I wouldn't know, but I guess <laughs> yeah, so. Just trust me. Okay, I, I trust you. Yeah, I, I've gotten so much advice, and it's always, it never agrees with each other. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I have advice that I think of if somebody asks me, which no one ever does for some oh, reason. Oh, well, I'm asking you right now. Uh, okay. Please tell us what is some of the best advice that you have to give aspiring entrepreneurs listening to this right now. Okay, good. Um, I can answer that. <laughs> Great. Uh, the best thing that you can do to start a business is to start a business. That is my advice to aspiring entrepreneurs. Uh, it sounds so stupid, I guess, but no. there are a million reasons not to do it. There, there are a million reasons to do it, and you can analyze them back and forth for the rest of your life. And everyone will tell you either it's going to work or it's not going to work. Everyone will have an opinion on that. And the only thing that you can do to start a business is to just do it. It, do, it doesn't matter what the idea is, I don't think. It doesn't matter how much in the way of resources you have. It doesn't matter how much experience you have. Like, you just have to put yourself out there. Yes. There's always more to do to prepare. And once you start, you realize the best preparation is the thing itself. Exactly. Fantastic. Yeah. Thank you for that amazing piece of advice. <laughs> Thanks. What does success look like for you with this venture now, three years, five years from now? I think a lot about what success means uh, for, for me and for the business when I'm thinking about it in the healthiest way, I feel like I've already done it. I look back and, you know, we started this thing from nothing and it's five years later and we have you know, however many clients we have. It's not enough, but it's enough to, to sustain the business and to keep it growing. I mean, what else is success besides that? We did it. Um, I'm, I'm a success. I can say that. But I, I want more. <laughs> so A healthy balance, healthy yeah. tension. Yeah. So what do I want? Um, I want? I want all of us to come out of it with materially what we set to get when we started it. So we talk about it. We, we're, we all feel like we've made a, a successful company. So I think spiritually we're all there. So I want the material part to be selfish. What an incredible way to live, to come back to that on a regular basis and say, this is happening. It's already success. The rest is icing on the cake. It's nice to at least spend a few seconds dwelling in that yeah, and appreciating the moment that you've created. Yeah, you have to do that. Your cousins would be proud. They would be proud. <laughs> they would be proud. Yeah. Well, gosh, this has been so fun. I, I'm a little bit bummed that we have to wrap it up, but I'm grateful for your time and I'm inspired. You've left me with so much to think about. So thank you. Thank you for having me. I really enjoyed it too.
It seems really clear to me that the takeaway from Scott's story is really about living in the moment. You know, Scott wasn't overflowing with reasons that he could articulate about why and how he stepped up, but he just did it. That blew me away because I am a talker. I like words. I like to think about explaining exactly what motivates me and why I'm doing what I'm doing. Scott just shows it through his life. We all will face challenges and appreciating that there will never be another moment, like the present moment, to conquer those challenges, to step forward and to kind of step up to the scary stuff in life that what matters is what you do. That's what I got from Scott, and I want to try to hold on to that and carry that with me. That's it for this episode of Points of Courage. Next week, I'm talking to a Texan event planner who had the guts to go against the bigger is better trend and is now at the helm of a wedding planning business in Ohio. Points of Courage is produced by Panoply Custom Studios and is brought to you by Hiscox Insurance, America's number one online small business insurer. Thank you again to Scott Kaufman for his inspiring and brave story. To hear more stories of entrepreneurs putting it all on the line to start their businesses, subscribe to Points of Courage wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Jessica Jackley. Thanks for listening. Want to learn more about what Scott does to stay ahead of the analytics curve? Go to slate.com slash points of courage to read the article and check out more about his work.